Turn with me over to the book of Matthew. We're going <clears> to <throat> go through a series on our values today. Um, well, actually, we're not going to do a series. I'm just going to preach all five of them today, and next week I'll be preaching on our mission and vision. At the beginning of the year, I do this to kind of set the tone for where we are going for the balance of the year. And we as a congregation are fairly focused. We have some things that hold us to the ground, some values that kind of anchor us, things through which we run everything in ministry. And if they don't fit through this matrix, we don't do it. And there are five values that we hold dear. One, we love the Lordship of Christ, obedience to Him, what it means to let Him rule and reign over our lives, sit on the throne of our heart, not as the co-ruler, but as the ruler, and we submit to Him and His will as it's found in His Word. Two, we love evangelism. We want to see people right with God, and we, we want to go out and preach this gospel. If it means that we make, we make enemies through it, so be it. If it means we lose friendships, so be it. That is not to say that we are trying to make enemies or lose friends. We're trying to gain friends and make enemies advocates. That's what we're trying to do. But if this good gospel causes us to go to the cross, we've already been there because we have given our hearts, hearts to Christ. And we care more about people's eternal security than we do their relationship to us and friendship. So we preach this gospel because we love them like that. We do not want them to die in their sin. We want them to know the good God who gave his life for them. When we see them right with God, we believe in discipleship. Helping them to discipline their lives so that they can follow Jesus, walk with him daily, be a consistent follower of Christ. Once we see them become a disciple, we believe in leadership development. Leadership development is helping people understand what God has called them to do after he has called them to be. So they are supposed to be disciples, but then they are supposed to do things that benefit the world in hopes that they can make the world really better. That requires some degree of not only proper action, but generally you can't do a whole lot of things by yourself, so you're going to have to be a leader if it's just leading your family to be better, leading a, a, a soccer team as a coach, leading your community bridge club team, leading whatever you might have. You know, maybe you're a, a team leader at your work. Becoming a really good leader because the world really doesn't know where they ought to go. Neither do Christians for that matter. That's why they need a shepherd and then after leadership development, we have family. We believe that family is that which needs to be emphasized in, in the Bible, uh, emphasized in the church from the Bible. Family in that we are teaching parents to be really good parents. We're teaching husbands to be really good husbands and wives to be really good wives. Helping this nuclear family become healthy and strong because that is the basis for all strong communities. Secondly, we believe there's of great benefit to spiritual family, that we as a people are not just a, a congregation of, of individuals, that we are actually trying to be family together, that we are spiritually brothers and sisters because we call God the Father, Daddy. 
And as a result, we live together in harmony. These five things bind us. They help us to do what we are called to do better. And so today we'll go through them. First, the Lordship of Christ. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 through 24. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but only those who do the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we do many miracles? Didn't we cast out demons? I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. He's talking to church folk. I'm using that in the in the loosest sense of the word, because the church had not been birthed. He's talking to people that he believes are scribers to the Jewish religion at the time. But he says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, is going to enter in. Now, when he speaks about the kingdom of heaven, I don't believe he's talking about necessarily heaven itself, though it could be that people are just using the name of Lord in order to play religion really well and aren't serious about the relationship with God at all. And thus, they won't get into heaven itself because they've never given their heart to Jesus. They're just practicing vernacular. But when it comes to somebody who really has given their heart to Christ, and then they play Christianity, and they really don't live it, then we have to say, well, what does that mean? Well, I'm, I'm one who espouses the idea that if you've really, at some point in your life, surrendered your life to Christ, then you've got a reservation in heaven. That's secure. But there's much more than just you going to heaven. Christ prayed that we might have the kingdom here. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Where? How? So the prayer that we pray, that Jesus taught us to pray on a regular basis, first starts with bringing kingdom reality from heaven here. Not us getting there. I must say, I'd, I'd like to get there someday. It's going to be real nice. But I'm not in a hurry. And so I got to figure out how in the world I can bring that here. When Jesus says, won't enter into the kingdom of heaven, not many who say to me, Lord, Lord. He's talking about the reality of what it means to live in such a way that you are expressing and experiencing the kingdom here. Listen, church, this is why you have a staff that works so hard. Most people out there in the world don't know what I do. Pastor, like how many hours you work a week? Okay, you got three services on a Sunday normally. What, three hours a week you work? <laughs> you want to do an internship with me for a week? We work really hard because it's not just, a, we're not just about a performance on a Sunday. We're about constructing kingdom reality so that people who come in here can live well. And there's, there's not supposed to be any place on the planet that has the concentration of the kingdom more than the church. Now, the kingdom is broader than just heaven because it's supposed to be here, but it's broader than the church as well. And the kingdom principles can be reflected in your business. They're supposed to be in your home. When people walk over the threshold of your, your front door, they ought to experience kingdom reality in your house. And so the kingdom is bigger than the church. 
But no place on the earth is it to be expressed with greater concentration than in the church. And so this staff works hard to try to make sure that in every ministry we have, whether it's out there to the community and distributing food, or whether it's in here caring for babies and changing diapers, kingdom is reflected in strength and concentration with integrity. So that if that which occurred here was actually happening in heaven, God would go, good job. There'd be no qualification to his affirmation. That's kingdom. Jesus said, if you don't live right, if you don't obey me here, you won't enter into that here. And I, I know everybody can picture somebody now who calls Jesus Lord, but is not living in kingdom. I hope that wasn't a mirror to you. We can all point to someone who's a real good religious person. And if you push the right button, they'll give you a hallelujah. But they are at the club. They're doing all kinds of stuff. They're gossiping. They're doing everything wrong. And you sit there and you... Now, nobody's questioning whether they're going to heaven. But they aren't entering kingdom here. Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will end. We are trying to produce kingdom here. How? Through his lordship. We want to obey. Are we perfect? Nothing about us could ever be confused with perfection. We've blown it more times than I can count personally, me. But there ought to be something consistent about our witness. And even when we blow it, we run back to the people that we've offended or we, we, we face the thing we've done wrong, and we repent. I'm sorry I blew it. I really messed up there. Please forgive me. If you don't, I get it. But I can get, I, I, I'm going I'm to pledge I'll never do it again. I want to honor my God, and I want to love you well. That's the way we do lordship. We obey him. We don't just use him as, as fire insurance to keep us out of the condemnation of eternity. We want to honor him as our, our God and master. Secondly, we want to preach his gospel. Evangelism, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Matthew 28, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you, and lo, I will be with you always, even to the very end of the age. The last thing Jesus said is go and preach. If you're a disciple, you go and you preach evangelism. We're not trying to grow as a church by church transfer. Now, if you came from another congregation, glad you're here. Welcome, Matt is always out. But you are not our target. Our, our target is the world. People who don't know a thing about Jesus. And if you are here from another church, we are going to intentionally help you reach them. You are not here just to get happy and healthy. Though we want you more happy and more healthy than you presently are. You're here, you may not know it, to be equipped to help us reach the world. This congregation is about changing Washington, D.C. It's about winning the city. Mm, that's next week. Evangelism. <clears throat> Discipleship. What it means for us to take somebody who's been one and then help them live right 
Discipleship is not about controlling somebody's life. It's not about telling them what to do. It's about being a disciple yourself and, and letting your life be a springboard towards somebody else's progress. It's saying, listen, I've been there before. Let me tell you what the scriptures have to say. You need to be discipled, people. It's not just enough for you and Jesus to get together about life and, and hope it goes well. It's better than nothing. It's really good. But you want best? Find somebody who can pour into your life. Now, I've been walking with Jesus for 40 years. Been in ministry for 39. Yeah, somebody thought it was a good idea. Seven and a half months after I was right with God to throw me into ministry. Full-time paid, though I had to raise my own money. <clears throat> they didn't think me that good. <laughs> they weren't willing to pay me. But when it comes to the idea, I've been in this thing for a long time. I am still in need of discipleship. I have people in my life that I call and say, help me with this. Help me with my family decisions. Help me with my kids. Help me with my business. My business. Church, help me with my relationships, how I structure reality. Help me, please, because it's not enough just for me and Jesus to make decisions. And you say, well, wait a minute. Isn't Jesus enough for you? Yes. I'm the problem. Not him. I don't hear well enough. I don't perceive well enough. I have flaws in my own life whereby I want to kind of interpret the information and, and drive it toward that which might be more inclined to, to make me happy than other people happy in my own soul, making decisions on behalf of others that really make me please, not them. I mean, you, you got a pastor who thought it was a really good idea at his, at his second uh, 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 Valentine's Day to buy his wife a vacuum cleaner for Valentine's. That's, that, that's me. I'm that guy. So I don't trust me. I do not trust me. I don't know why you trust you. We're all born of Adam. We all got the same bent going the wrong direction. I need discipleship. So do you. Somebody who's just a little bit further along than you in God, in whatever area. It might be finances. It might be family. They don't have to be further along in you and God in everything, just in the area. Now, if you can find somebody <clears throat> who is further along in everything, that's really good. But we want you to be discipled. So you need somebody to help you in that area. Leadership development. Boy, we need good leadership. Leadership is willing to lay down its life for the sheep. And that's what leadership does. Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. You know, whenever, whenever God goes to the pattern of how he wants his people to be led, it's generally not through a monarchy. It's not through government. It's by shepherding. Jesus could have chosen any moniker, any title he wanted to put on his door to let people know who he was. And everybody wanted him to be king. Everybody. Please, save now! As they cried when he came into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, what we call the Sunday before the crucifixion. Save now! You are our hope! You're the Messiah! Do what you do to deliver us from these evil leaders, Rome and Herod, and all the Jewish population who, who happens to be in charge. Save us! Instead of calling himself what he could right, rightfully have done, Messiah, on a regular basis, this is how he identified himself. I'm the good shepherd. My sheep hear my voice. They won't follow another. 
And the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Now, the shepherds were the most despised occupation in all of the, the, the ecclesiastical world. The priests, all the scribes, everybody who was religious didn't like shepherds. They liked what they produced because they liked to eat. And they liked the clothes that the, the wool produced. But shepherds couldn't come to church on a regular basis, couldn't go to synagogue on a regular basis, couldn't attend the, 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 the temple worship because they had to care for their sheep. They, couldn't, they, 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 they continually broke the Sabbath because they had to work on a day when the sheep still needed to be fed. And so they were considered less than. And this is one of the reasons I'm convinced that Jesus was announced by the angels to shepherds. Do you realize who God could have told the Messiah was born? Bethlehem is just six miles from Jerusalem. Caiaphas was there. The high priest was right around the corner. All the religious leaders were there. God didn't show up to any of them with his angels. He went out to some shepherds, caring for their sheep at night in the field, and said, by the way, somebody like you, just been born. He's going. His profession is yours. God is counterintuitive. He always does stuff that is opposite of how we think he ought to do it because we value things he doesn't and he values things we don't. We need to switch our brains. Being a really good leader is being a really good shepherd. I don't have time. Lastly, family. My wife makes it easy to be, a, to be married to her for four, four, 34 years. She's the best. Unapologetically to every other woman in the room, my wife is the best. Best woman since Eve. Nobody better. 23 years of homeschooling educating five grades at once, dealing with my crazy schedule of being gone 100 days a year and she's still holding down the fort, progressing our children, all of them. My youngest is now a junior in college and all of them have graduated. I mean, they're all doing, one of them still is working through it, but the rest of them have graduated. <laughs> they're smart people. They're leaders in their own right, in their own little worlds. They are the ones that determine what's right and what's wrong. They are respect. Listen, I'm so happy with my adult children. I don't know what to do. And it has so little to do with me because she is so great. She did so well with the homeschooling. We actually threw her a retirement party as a family. <laughs> now, 23 years of homeschooling. 23 years. And hear me. This is true. I know it sounds nuts. And maybe it's a, it's a, a, a hyperbolous husband. She hasn't complained one time in our 34 years about anything. Never heard a word of, and, and I give her a lot of reason to. Not one word of complaint ever. She's a better Christian than I am. She's a better woman than I am, man. She makes it really, really easy to be married for 34 years. Having said that, I make it really, really hard on her to be married for 34 years. We work hard at family. We pray and fast. We cry out when we have disagreements, not to one another, but to God. Sometimes our disagreements last for three or four days. 
Anybody married understand what I'm talking about? <laughs> what is the Bible? I mean, doesn't the Bible say don't let the sun go down in your anger? Yeah. We're not mad at one another. We just disagree. So we sleep pretty well. <laughs> but we get up the next day and we say, you know, we need, to, we need to figure that out. We need to talk about that. And both of us are going to God in the midst of it because he is the anchor for both of us. And the interesting thing is this. If we are separate on an issue, I'm here, she's here. And we are both going to God who's up here. The more we go to him, the closer we get to one another. Are you listening to me? We believe in family. And we believe in raising seven children. We've had our challenges in being good parents. We've never been bad parents. We've just been Adam and Eve to our kids. And that we haven't been enough. And so we have asked God to help us be, especially me. Uh, Lord, if, if these kids had a better dad, they'd be better kids. Every time I disciplined my children, and I, I did it in such a way that was biblical. We had Home Depot sticks around every corner. <laughs> I carried one in my back pocket around my house all the time. Because sometimes I couldn't find one. And he'd do something, he'd do something. We had two girls, but usually he'd do something. <laughs> and it'd be too long before I could get my, my thing in order to let him know uh, through, through very uh, targeted communication. See, there are sensory nerves that go from the bottom straight to the brain. <laughs> and when, when you communicate through a Home Depot paint stick, your displeasure, they understand differently than when you just say no. Now, I realize some of you have been abused in your past, and this sounds frightening to you that anybody would use an instrument to strike somebody. But we did it biblically. We did it biblically. We didn't abuse. I would sit there and I'd talk to them about what it looks like uh, to, to have disobeyed. You know, you did this wrong. You really blew it. And if you want testimony, you can go to one of them right here. You went through a lot of them. A lot of them. <laughs> You know you did wrong. You stole your brother's Batman figurine. You know you did that, right? And, and then you hit him over the head with it. That was really bad. You can't do that. You can't do that, son. So let's talk to God. Tell God you repent and you're sorry. Lord, I'm sorry. And repeat after me. I will never do that again. And I pray you'd forgive me. Good. Okay, now, pull your pants down. Come on, come on. Come here, come here. I love you. Truth. Our discipline sessions would take 10 minutes. It wouldn't be just a slap and get on about, I'm so mad at you, get on about your life. Don't you ever do that again. Wouldn't be that. Take 10 minutes. I would not let them leave until they were happy because I wanted them to know that my discipline had nothing to do with rejection. It had everything to do with training for righteousness, and then I accepted them regardless of what they did. So they walked away happy. In pain, yes, but happy. <laughs> we worked hard to produce kids that understood who God was in the midst of our discipline so that they could look through us to him. And we work hard here in the church at producing an environment that is family in its orientation. We tolerate one another's weaknesses. We endure one another's 
idiosyncrasies. We're not always criticizing one another for that or this. We do correct one another when there are biblical wrongs. And we develop a culture that, that is inviting of correction in our lives because all we want to do is be better for God so we can be better for people. Yet in the environment of correction, we try to produce an, an, an environment of affirmation whereby we are affirming one another more than we are correcting one another because correction, continual correction, and a lot of it seems to make people discouraged. And we want to make sure that they understand the, the passage of Scripture. It says, encourage one another. In Hebrews it says, as long as today is called today. So we, we, we constantly, I send off texts all the time. You're doing great. Good job in the exhortation today. Wonderful worship today. When I'm on my phone down here, I'm not answering email. I'm working. I'm telling people what needs to change. Fix that. Hey, great job. That was fabulous. What you said there, amazing. And I do it now because four hours from now, I'll forget. And I want to make sure they know what I think about their performance immediately. When I'm at home on Wednesday, because we record our Wednesday services here on Sunday, I'm watching. I'm sending off text. Oh, that was great. That was amazing. Do I have to know? They're paid to do it. They're paid to do it. But in order for me to produce an atmosphere of affirmation, I've got to make sure that I am telling them what I think God thinks about them on a regular basis. The Lord was so pleased with that. That was great. You made us and him happy. Then when I, when I have to come and say, that was a dumb comment. Why do you say that? Oh, gosh, you don't go there again. Stop that. They're saying, oh, that's right. And they receive it. They feel my arms around them, and they go away happy even though in pain. Are you listening to me? This is the environment we try to produce. Family. Because that's what God wants his church to be, one big family. Now, because I said so many things I did not plan to say at the beginning of the sermon, I had to truncate this one and didn't give you all the scriptures, so I'll try to pick it up next week before we go into our mission and our vision. But at least you understand something about our value system in this church and why we are the way we are. And everything we do about this, everything we believe about our values, helps us to sustain the diversity we have, which is always weighty. It's hard enough. Most pastors don't want to do this. Most leaders don't want to do this because producing a church is already impossible. I mean, a real church, it is already doing the supernatural and the impossible. Adding to it the diversity that we, we, we intentionally put in the mix makes it even more difficult. Thus, we need to have this value system that allows us to keep our diversity strong and consistent so that we can do what we need to do and be the community that is able to speak to issues out there that other congregations can't. And when we talk about the things that are tearing up our world in terms of diversity and ethnic tensions, there are very few congregations that can talk to it like we can because family to us is different than family to them. Mm. Let's pray. Lord, I'm asking for your grace, please. Empower us and help us to be the kind of people who can serve you well.